Hey everyone, this is Dave Cruz from Flyber Labs, a podcast on business and innovation in the Midwest and beyond. Here you'll meet fascinating people and learn about new technologies and practices that will change how you look at life and business. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyber Labs, and this is our new series on all things blockchain called Flyber Block. And today we get to talk to Dan Gailey, CEO at Synapse AI and they are building a next generation data exchange platform. So what does that mean? Well, we'll, we'll learn from Dan directly, but it's essentially, you know how companies want to, cl- they collect data, data on you and then sell it without compensating you or use that data? Well, Synapse wants to make sure you get compensated. So that's pretty cool. So I'm excited to hear more what they're working on and kind of their vision. So Dan, thanks for uh, coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, it's great to be here. Definitely. All right. So let's let's just dive right in. Can you just uh, tell us about, uh, give us a broad overview on Synapse? Yeah, I really like the intro. And, <laughs> you know, I think it, it's super important that we understand the more data we have, the more insights we can generate. Right. And that's, that's kind of the first step. And uh, so what, what we're kind of building is, is a network where, any contract, any resource can be contracted, right? Um, so at its most abstract layer. So if you have some type of data and I want to contract that data, I can't, right? That's our first example. The second example was uh, in order to generate machine intelligence uh, at this moment, you need data. So if we can connect data with machine learning, great. We're like solving part of this new uh, machine learning economy of like training and building and leveraging models. And uh, so now you have data, now you have machine learning models, and you can uh, leverage those models. And when those models actually go to get paid, when you go to pay these models, because we have provenance and access control through the blockchain, you can receive what is essentially a royalty in perpetuity, right? Because we have the the blockchain, which is a ledger, which demonstrates who's trained what model. The cooler thing is, right, the more, the more emergent quality is that you can have programmatic access uh, to this network via other uh, autonomous agents, right, other bots. Um, and so not only can they buy and sell data, buy and sell machine learning resources, Right, but they can also start to learn and grow together, which is kind of this next level that we're going to be seeing. Right, autonomous agents transacting with one another uh, to almost create whole new economies, and that's what we're calling the AI economy. Right, it's when we have these autonomous agents that have agency over some resource and they're able to transact with one another through through the blockchain. Okay, um, and and how we fit into that, how humans fit into that is we'll be doing human-in-the-loop uh, automation training, right? So one day you'll be playing a video game uh, and training a robot, right? And as that, that robot learns the tasks and talents it learns, when it leverages those because you trained it, you'll receive some royalty. And that's, that's this new royalty economy we see because of having data lineage and provenance on the blockchain for training these things. So you're basically getting paid in perpetuity to train automation. Like 
it's amazing. It's the future. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So can and can you break that down with a kind of example of like let's say me, Dave, and uh, I'm like, okay, you know, I love what you guys are doing. Here's uh, here's my data. Um, I mean, I, you know how what data i know it depends would you like are you interested in taking all the like my social data and any other data i have um and then how would that you know how who would want that and how would i and eventually be compensated um right yeah right um so how it works is you would basically the data that people desire, right, is kind of like all data. And the reason why we do that is because we don't necessarily know what's what's valuable yet. We, we have an idea because we've created these companies that are very verticalized. And, and, and what that means is, like, Facebook knows what Facebook finds valuable because it increases the, the value of their customer, right, with... Uh, either predictive models or advertising or recommendations, things like this. So the first step to kind of breaking out of these uh, kind of verticals that we have now, these silos that we have now, is by creating a network where data is accessible. And I think some of the most valuable data, philosophically, is omic data, like genomic data, uh, health data, uh, gut biome data, right? It's, it's really about humans and, and less about, uh, I think in the long term, less about transactions, right? Gotcha. That makes sense. Okay. So so you're looking more at the kind of the health data right now. At least that was one of my questions. What is kind of your first initial use case? And are you thinking more around health data right now? Uh, so it, some, some types of data are easier to acquire than others, right? So in order to facilitate this whole decentralized, democratized, distributed service, uh, you need the ability to access data and, uh, you know, like we said, some of that data is siloed. So we're going to have to work with partners and we're going to have to work with uh, partnering with companies. So some of the companies that are looking to partner with us are health-related, right, are uh, genetic-related. So, uh, like, I just had my genome sequence and my whole genome sequence. Nice. And you can receive your genome sequence back, right, in terms of a file that you then can carry with you so that when new research is needed or new models are run, you can find additional insights by contributing your own genetic information. And so, like, let's, let's use uh, the genome data as an example because that's a good one. So let's say I give my... Uh genome data to you guys and there's a you know um, a pharma company that is or or a startup developing you know some uh, a new let's say diagnostic or or a therapeutic guess around uh you know multiple sclerosis and uh let's say you know i'm a part of that study my or my genome gets to be a part of that study um and so you know let's say there's a thousand people so and then they develop something, and then they're like, "Wow, this is amazing!" You know, just with genome data, we can diagnose. You know, ten years earlier, that somebody's going to have a multiple sclerosis. So then, would then would I get compensated? They start selling that in the market. Then would I get royalties essentially on that? Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I think that's that's one of the models that we can definitely unlock. Right. Okay. That does not just 
not just being able to buy and sell data and then in turn using that data for whatever you'd like, uh, but also because now everything's written across the blockchain, right? Not the data itself, but the transactions themselves. Um, because it is written, uh, when those, when that data goes to get used and leveraged in these models, then we know who's contributed, right? So you can even do, uh, perform something like contributing to open source research where you're contributing your data to run, um, you know, research for good, nonprofit, um, so that if something does occur, you have attribution. Gotcha. Okay. And, uh, and a little bit more about the, your company, you know, how, how's your funding gone? And then, uh, who, who's on your team right now? So our funding is, is we're doing multiple tiers of our ICO. Yep. We have, um, we have commitments of $7 million in our pre-sale and we having a, a public, public ICO right now and uh, then we'll have a tier a next tier and the reason why we're doing that is because we want to show demonstrate like product partnerships uh, commitments actually building something you know and who's on my team right now it's uh, myself two developers two marketers and we're uh, getting on a new advisor and uh, we have uh, some new hires coming on to help internally cool all right Nice. And, and so where are you guys in kind of the development um, right now with the platform? So the marketplace is finished. We're opening up a developer uh, program uh, that will allow us to set bounties so that people can contribute and uh, test out the code. Um, and we're working on wallets right now, which will also act as how people participate on the network. So not just thinking about money, but thinking about browsing and participating in the ecosystem in terms of what are called like master nodes, uh, which is where some services get delegated to basically how people participate in a multitude of services needed to kind of facilitate the infrastructure for this. Gotcha. Okay. And how, how did you come up with this, this idea and kind of get it rolling? It all started out of it. It all started back in now. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> it, it all started. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, it was, so I threw a hackathon. The, um, it was an Internet of Things hackathon called Hackendo. And the theme was Integrate. And I invited all these great companies out that basically had sensor data that transcribed real-world information to digital information. And then had APIs. And the team was basically mashing up these APIs to figure out what new and emergent products we can build. And as people were pitching, I realized that if, if where we're at today are me and my thing and you and your thing, then where we're going to be at tomorrow are me and my thing, you and your things, and how they work together. And so I set out to build a fabric to connect these things, to enable them to transact. And I was invited out to pitch at a conference in front of a bunch of other people. And specifically, we had a panel of uh, VCs. And, you know, I started out with, in the future. And anytime you start out with in the future, <laughs> it's just like, okay. <laughs> like, you know, whatever. Uh, and my example was, you'll, you'll, have, you'll step out of your autonomous vehicle. It'll find recharging stations, right, around it. 
negotiate and transact a recharge and then contract itself out as an Uber. I thought that was huge because it demonstrates so many things. Autonomous allocation of resources and then having those resources fit inside the world where they need to. And uh, I kind of, I, I really, they said you're either, you know, crazy or you're a genius. You know, what are you talking <laughs> about, autonomous? What? And I was like, okay, I get, I get it. I'm one of those. And my friend, I get off stage and my friend says, why can't you just be both? Why can't you be a crazy entity? <laughs> I was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, so I went back to my booth and the head of uh, one of the IoT departments at Cisco came up to me. GE came up to me. Uh, Entity Docomo, um, the Department of Defense, all of these big players, right? All of these senior staff members, uh, executive members from these big companies came up to me and started talking to me about this. Yes, this is the future and how are you building it? And it, it slowly evolved as I started talking to people and as I started working on things, it slowly evolved into what it is now, which is, uh, kind of bootstrapped off of Ethereum which allows decentralized access. And philosophically, it it's enables anyone democratically you know, to participate in data and machine learning models and training automation and, and kind of like the, the special recipe you need to unlock you know, a more autonomous future. So, nice. Okay. And uh, will you, you know, have like an entire ecosystem like, will the data models be, and you kind of talked about this, but would you actually have the data models like as part of your platform? Or would people, are you more kind of like a d- data exchange or both? Uh, all of the above. Okay. You know, we consider ourselves a network, which means that there are a ton of other components that are part of this, from ontology to a uh, distributed compute and storage layer to uh, the marketplace and exchange itself to uh, we're really facilitating all the APIs required to get our partners up and online and operating within the network itself. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, so, at, so at this point, you know, how do you get how do you get going? Right. I love the idea, <laughs> but these platforms are always yeah. hard to get going, right? Because you need the both sides. Um, so have you? Yeah, you need. Yeah. You need a, a phased approach. Right. So you need to do what you can when you can do those things. Um, one of the things for us is, is it's really important uh, to kind of delegate authority out to nodes that we trust, which are the, the Amazons and the, the Walmarts and the, the Facebooks of the world and the banks of the world. Right. Those all provide sources of data that can be considered uh, good and verified. So we delegate like verification through those nodes. So we're looking to partner with big companies uh, or any company with data. We're also looking to partner with uh, data brokers. And so, so there's marketplaces out there that exist for data. It's not in a very decentralized way, right? We're looking to bring those on uh, the network as well as machine learning hmm. uh, as a service platform. So we're, we're basically connecting all these dots and unlocking the ability to do these next level things. Uh, with with blockchain and with cryptocurrency, and it's the first time that we've been able to to even see that this is possible. And additionally, uh, we have firms that haven't had an opportunity to think about the future to start thinking about it. Like I, I can't name names, but there's huge companies out there that have 
literally assembled whole AI blockchain teams just to talk to me and how they can start participating in the ecosystem. Oh, wow. So that's really interesting. Okay, because, yeah, it's a little broader than I even imagined. So because you talk about working with data brokers. So how how could let's see if this scenario makes sense or not? I like using myself an example, I guess. But you know, if I give you my genome data, of course that's somewhat valuable, but it'd be a lot more valuable with my healthcare records and then like my lifestyle and so like other people see some of these data brokers, you know, know so much about me. So they they would also be part of this whole uh, kind of Dave's data stream and they'd all get paid, right, to build these models. Is that kind of is that the accurate, um, or you can adjust the story <laughs> to to your vision? But yeah, I, I think there's a lot of different ways that people can use an hour. But fundamentally, what we're trying to do is basically create a repo for knowledge and insight that not just people can use, but machines can use. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Um, and and so, is there anybody else doing this right now? I mean, I, I've 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 heard about some folks, but may, yeah, like there's to the same extent, but yeah, there's uh, there aren't anyone, there isn't anyone doing this, and um, you know, I think there's a long road that you have to have traveled in order to see and connect all these dots. We do have people who are starting to apply blockchain to their name that exists in pretty verticalized formats. Uh, but no one, no one trying to accomplish this on the scale that we are. Gotcha. Okay. And since this is a podcast called flower block, can you, can you kind of tell us a little bit more about the blockchain aspect? Like how is the data tor- tokenized and uh, kind of walk us through maybe like a, a case study of how that kind of works. Sure. So how it works now is uh, we'll create a schema, right, uh, of entities, of devices and interfaces and what data they have. And each node will participate to listen to events, right, on the uh, Ethereum network. So basically some event happens and uh, someone has asked to uh, create a, a fulfillment contract, which uses the schema uh, to determine what kind of data, what kind of interface it needs, what kind of device it needs. And uh, the nodes that are listening to these events what, what would be are basically... What would be an example of an event? Uh, I need uh, transactional data from people in San Francisco on this date. Uh, you know... Um, of this particular type of demographic, gotcha. right? You can yep. you can create queries that correlate quite a bit of data. Yep. And um, so, and they would put up a bonded request saying, "I'm willing to pay X amount of this for this many, uh, I guess, portions of this data, this many participants." And everyone on the node will say, "Oh, I have that data. The bond isn't finished. I'm going to participate in that node." So. It basically puts itself out, uh, says, I have this data, I will give you access. And when the fulfillment contract uh, sees the other events of people saying, I have these nodes, right, um, it will go out and request the data from these nodes. And then as the data is confirmed, being received, it will 
then uh, pay out, confirm with the with the contract, and pay out the people providing these resources. Gotcha. Okay. And and so I imagine this could get pretty uh, complicated over time. And uh, how? I mean, have you thought about how will you f- compensate people? You know, like. Well, whoever puts up the at, the ask for the the data will say, you know, I'm willing to pay ten thousand dollars for this, and then you know, for a thousand people, and then everyone gets ten bucks. Um, or what about yeah. if there's royalties or it, yeah? What's your kind of thought? It it depends on on how the the data and contract fulfillment license kind of works. Right. You can bond money up front and say, I'm willing to pay $10,000 and uh, that's the end of the contract right? for this okay. data. Or you could say, uh, we're doing an open model. Uh, if you would like to participate in this, this is a, a brand new way to participate is contributing data to building open models for this type of research. Right, Identity will be important. Reputation will be important. And so... I can donate. I will see the, the fulfillment contract for donating to this particular type of research. Maybe it's, uh, you know, curing cancer or any number of, of uh, diseases like uh, that, that we can then participate in for free. And, and maybe in return, part of our license is in perpetuity when that model is leveraged or something, then it goes back to the people that created it. Gotcha. Okay. And so, and and part of this would be kind of on your honors, because like let's say a data model, like is let's say it's making a million bucks a year, and they promise like five percent royalty. Like it'd be hard to audit all that, um, unless unless that data model is like, embedded into your system, I guess, and the revenue is going Correct. through your system, which would be awesome. But if they just take that, which model, is yeah. which is you can right? Okay. So so the network isn't just about data, right? The net- network is about resources. Uh, we use the data uh, narrative because it's easy for people to wrap their, their heads around. Uh, but you can turn around and create, uh, announce yourself as part of the schema saying, hey, I'm a model. I provide uh, classification uh, via video or images. And uh, my particular like domain is animal, right? And now you have machines that are like, I need to classify animals. Uh, I can leverage this model, and now I'm paying the model right across the network. And uh, because the, the the machine now has a fulfillment contract that says it's using that same schema as before, that says I need a machine learning uh, image classifier uh, for animals, and uh, then the the model announces itself. Hey, I'm I'm this I'm this model that you can contract, and all that those transactions happen across our network. Huh. Oh, that'd be awesome. All right, cool. I like it. All right, well, we're getting to the yeah. end. I've got, <laughs> you're, like, you're like, yes. Yeah. I know it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can talk about this stuff all day. Uh, I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're getting kind of to the end, but I got a couple more questions. And one is kind of around transparency. You know, if I'm using my genome data, you know, what if there's a company that is going to, you know, what will I know about that company and their use for it? And so it's not for some like evil masterminded purposes. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. I think transparency is huge. And I think that's part of what this unlocks, right? Is now we can identify who has access to this data and where it's going, right? Because every 
every transaction should happen on the network, um, we, we should be well aware of the identity of the people who are participating in purchasing our data. There's new laws coming about. Uh, in the EU, they have the GDPR, which is uh, about privacy and protection of that privacy, and, and essentially saying that your data is yours and you should be able to know who has access to it and what they're doing with it. And I think that just makes a whole lot of sense. And I think with, with our network, we enable that functionally. And uh, I think that more and more of that sentiment is coming to the United States. And I think what's going to happen, happen next is that it's going to be second nature to know who has access to your data, who's using it for what, and how uh, they're using it. So I, I think it's just going to be a part of our lives eventually that we open up our cell phone, we see how much money per minute we're making just by being alive, right? Right next to our battery meter, there's going to be, this is how much money per minute you're making. You can click that and you'll see all of the companies that you're participating in, all of the research you're participating in, how your data is getting used, not just by big companies uh, on, on the internet, but also by the sensor and by the stores that you're passing to provide this new tailored experience, right? And it goes to feeding what we're, what we're talking about, which is essentially, uh, you know, uh, this autonomous future and this ambient intelligence where intelligence flows through every device and every service, not just online, but all around you. Nice. And, and what's your timeline for uh, kind of launching the platform that we could all use? The marketplace is already finished. The wallets are coming out here in the next month or so. Okay. Uh, we're going to have the, the wallets done before the end of the ICO. And from there, it's just about partnerships and building out the developer ecosystem and libraries that people can use and integrate into their devices. Cool. All right. Wow. That's, that's quick. That's cool. All right. And uh, last question is, what do you, as a personal one, um, what do you like to do in your uh, free time? What free time? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, maybe what you used to like to do in your free time. No. <laughs> Uh, I I really enjoy uh, art. Art is my first love, oh, and wow. so I I like I like painting and uh, I like visiting museums. Um, I I think learning learning is a huge hobby of mine. If I can figure out something new or find out something new, it's kind of just like yeah, that's that's <laughs> been my my biggest hobby is is learning. What's uh What do you like to paint? Uh, so I studied. Uh, independently, uh, so I actually went to school for electrical engineering and computational chemistry, but independently, uh, I've studied like old master, uh, style painting. So like Renaissance style, uh, glazing techniques and things like that. So portraits and I've been getting more and more into abstract, um, kind of illustration. So think more along the lines of, um, uh, geez, now I can't even remember the artist's name, but uh, getting more and more towards the abstract and abstract representation of like objects and symbols and, and kind of their relationship. I do a lot of that in the context of biology, thinking of biology and heterogeneous uh, networks and, and systems of, of objects that work together and uh, accomplish some tasks. So a lot of it's like, uh, you know, repeated symbols that you could maybe find in a biology book if it wasn't so artsy. Uh, 
Interesting. We might have to post some of, some of your work there with the podcast. No, yeah, that's, that's, I, that's yeah. Awesome. I, I do all my own illustrations for my blog post too. Really? Huh. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Kandinsky. That's who I was thinking about. Kandinsky. Okay. All right. Interesting. Well, never. I wouldn't have guessed that. So I, I love it. You'll have to send me a, one or two examples. Maybe if it's okay, we'll Absolutely. post them. <laughs> cool. Yes. Yeah. We also have a, a special airdrop for your listeners. What's that? You have a what? An airdrop. What's that? Uh, an airdrop is basically when we give away free tokens. Oh, oh yeah, you know what? yeah. I was I was curious how or how many uh, or how big <laughs> or what were you thinking with the airdrop? That's pretty sweet. Uh, yeah. So if they visit tokensell.synapse.ai forward slash airdrop forward slash flyover labs all lowercase, they'll be able to get a hundred uh sim tokens just for visiting that link and participating in the airdrop really wow yeah awesome yeah. that's very nice that's like one of the first uh, i think promos somebody has given <laughs> on these interviews oh, really? like 150 of these so that's i nice. it's probably been like maybe one or two others but good idea I well you know i think it's important I, I think honestly we've been asked like well why are you giving some of the tokens away right why is that important and i think it goes back to our ethos and philosophy of, of really democratizing access to this stuff. Like, how can we get people to participate uh, equally? And it, this technology shouldn't lie in the hands of just one person or one entity or one individual. It, it should belong to everyone. And so trying to spread that message is, is kind of a part of doing the airdrops, right? You, don't, you shouldn't have to be of a particular type or class of person to participate in training uh, automation and building that future that you can be rewarded from. I think what it means ultimately is that the more people you have, the more diversity and the sampling of data, the less bias you have in that data and the less biased your model and the more representative and robust your models become. So it's important that we get everyone involved. Nice. Okay. Well, I love that vision and what you guys are working on and, uh, thanks, Dan, for coming up and coming on our show and uh, telling us what you're working on and what you're going to do. It's pretty, it's pretty sweet. You, you got a long road ahead of you, but it's pretty, it's a, it's one that could definitely change things. Yeah, thanks, thanks very much. All right, thanks, Dave. <laughs> All right, and thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Flower Labs. As always, I definitely appreciate it, and we'll we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye, Dan. All right. Cheers.